Hello and welcome back to the Dinner Round Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Mike Breslin. Hello. And the South Dorridge statistician. It's David Harris. Hi, Will. And that might be your best one yet. Thanks for that, Will. <laughs> how, are, how are you both? You all right? Good, mate. Yeah. Yourself? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, good, thanks, Will. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm better than all right because we're going to sit down on this part. And as I tweeted midweek on the Internet Around account, yes, it was me. Um, Mike's going to have to talk about United being terrible. Again. He's going to have to talk about Villa being great, which is great. I mean, there is the caveat that I've probably got to talk about Spurs, but um, maybe I'll just do like the Sky Broadcast did and not talk about them at all. Um, <laughs> that was quite bad, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll come. Let's, let's start there, actually. You, uh, two things. Like, I understand how Gary Neville's the best commentator in the world, but I, I, I felt for the Spurs best fans. Best commentator like, in the world? Yeah, he is. Who's better? As a commentator? Well, Gary Neville's. Yeah. Big Clive, mate. Yeah, but... It, no, oh, it's, mate, it's, he's cancelled after his chance. Apologies. I meant colour commentator, not play-by-play. Play. Right, OK. Yeah. Martin okay. Tyler's the play-by-play, and he's fucking... Yeah, shit. I was going to say... The guy next to Gary was is better than he is. Martin Tyler, Martin Tyler, woeful, woeful. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. Honestly, bring back the days where someone hits a volley really nice, and Andy Townsend turns to Clive Tills and he goes, "If anything, Clive, he's hit that too well." That's that's the kind of analysis I need. Anyway, the second one was that um, I, under- I, un- I understand that Gary Neville's a United fan. He's going to talk about United. But Jesus Christ, the entire second half of this game, which is Tottenham, one of Tottenham's biggest victories ever, and quite frankly, one of the biggest moments in that pathetic little club's life. Um, <laughs> and and they were treating it like a wake. I, 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 would, if I, I personally would have been a bit upset if I was a, a Tottenham fan. Yeah, watching it, I was thinking the same thing, to be honest. Yeah. But the second part of that is Jermaine Jean has tweeted, have they forgotten that Tottenham are involved here? Which is ironic because whenever Jermaine Jean is doing commentary, he finds a way to see one in Spurs. It could be Maccabi te- Tel Aviv versus Solly or Moores and he's talking about Harry Kane and Delhi. Bellend. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm with you there. Oh, Get JJ J- off the telly. Jermaine Jean is one of the worst commentators. One of the worst commentators going. Anyway. Anyway. Let's not start at Old Trafford because um, I can already see a little bit of smoke coming out of Mike's ears. Let's instead start at um, Villa Park um, with a. Uh, um, I'm gonna so just, let me just double check. Uh, yeah, Villa beat. Um, yeah, Aston Villa beat the champions Liverpool seven um, two. Uh, yeah. Um, so guys, were you surprised by this scoreline? <laughs> Uh, well, as you can tell in the in and around prediction <laughs> that we all did, we had 4-1 Liverpool, 3-1 Liverpool and 3-1 Liverpool. So I think there was some surprise on our on our side at uh, this result. Yeah. Dave, was it a shocker? Yes. I, was, I, was I wanting to see Villa get anything from that game? Absolutely not. I thought they were going to get pumped, Will. I thought they were going to get pumped. <laughs> Okay, um, right. So, where to start with this one? Uh, I'm not quite sure where. To... <laughs> so let's let's start with Liverpool, maybe. Um, 
yeah, so conceded seven goals to a team that stayed up because VAR, no, because Hawkeye wasn't switched on last year. Um, we've talked already on the pod about how we're worried about how Liverpool have shown a bit of frailty and we weren't really worried. So, start with this. Is it time to get worried? I still oh. don't think it's totally time to get too worried. Why? We don't need to get too carried away yet. Well, they, they play Everton next to the top of the league and that they're going to beat Everton. You heard it here first. They're going to beat Everton again. They're going to go on fine. They're probably going to win the league. Uh, however, this was a bit wild, wasn't it? Dave, are you worried? For Liverpool? Yeah. Um, so, certainly be asking questions, but I don't think I'd be panicking yet. Four games into the season, well. I don't want to bring it up again, but Southampton lost 9-0 last season. We're fine. Just character building. Yeah, but, uh, Even the big teams need it yeah, sometimes. But interestingly enough, that game, um, Southampton had a man sent off early and um, lost and were bottom of the ta- pretty bottom half of the table and they were up against a team going for Champions League. This was a team that we thought was going to be bottom half of the table beating the champions. 7-2. And that scoreline actually flatters Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I I mean, I agree. I'm not too worried. Too worried about Liverpool structurally. Um, but I, I think it would be cavalier to say that I'm not starting to go, oh, you've conceded 11 goals already this year. Like, I mean, how many did you get conceded in total last year? It was not much higher. 20, was it? Probably, yeah, 20s, mid-20s, I'd have thought. And they've conceded 11 in the first four games. This is a team who, being solid, is a massive part of who they are. 33 it was they conceded last year. 33, okay. Right, so they've already conceded a third and got last year's goals. Yeah, Yeah, that that is concerning. So, So why aren't you concerned? I just think they've been perfect for so long, pretty much perfect for so long that at some point, and maybe this is what is going to kick them into gear this season. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe they needed someone to just pump them, which hasn't happened for a while, and have a bit of a, right, we need to get back to what we're good at here. It was pretty much to a man. I mean, this was this was near enough a full strength team obviously Mane's out and Alisson didn't play either so Adrian and, and Jota come in but other than that you look at the lineup; it's pretty much pretty full much, strength pretty much a full strength team they had a trialistic goal he is useless yeah he might have looked like that well it wasn't Adrian it was Adrian from down the pub wasn't it Christ <laughs> I think that's, that is one of the worst jokes I've ever heard. Well, the bar's so <laughs> low for bad jokes on here that that's, I don't even think that is that bad anymore. And you'll still be refused to be served. Um, anyway. Well, after 10pm, well, rightly so. 10... Okay. <laughs> um, so, like, Adrian's making a bid to be the worst Spanish keeper in the league. And let me tell you now, <laughs> it's a tough competition this year to be the worst Spanish keeper in the league. Um, so, we'll come on to the structure of their defence in a minute, in a minute, but I just wanted to ask a question, lads. Um, so, eleven goals. Um, just thinking back, we've got in there. We've got a Van Dyke mistake. 
we've got a Robertson mistake, we've got multiple Trent mistakes, and we've got a litany of Gomez mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a cause for concern, the amount of individual errors we're seeing from Liverpool? Yeah, for sure. Um, especially because not just in this game, Van Dijk made a pretty high-profile error in the opening day against Leeds. It's something that I don't know, maybe one game in you can be like, oh, fair enough, they're rusty. But it seems that they're consistently making mistakes at this point. Um, and for a back four that was so solid last year, to basically all just start, start making mistakes, uh, I don't know, do you try and coach out of them? Even though I doubt that they've changed anything in what they're coaching. It's a bit of a strange one. I don't know what, don't know what they're trying to do last year that they did so well that they just can't do anymore. It's quite strange. Hmm. Um, I suppose it's not just them though in terms of defensive mistakes I mean we talked Can Naby about... Cater actually make a tackle because that's the question I that's a good point I was asking I'll come on to that in a second because there's a real problem with their midfield um, Mike there's been a lot of mistakes this year um, yeah. from defenders I mean look at look at the Chelsea game at West Brom uh, you had two from Alonso, which is not a shock, but you did have one from Thiago Silva. You had um, you had a few errors, particularly a keeper in the Everton game. You had multiple errors in the Man United game. Um, so, is this a Liverpool problem or is it a league-wide problem? It seems to be uh, league-wide. I know, I know we we can pick on every single man in that Liverpool defence as we just did and say they've all made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I don't know whether this is really basic thinking or not, but I, I don't know if this has something to do with there not being the crowds there. Yeah, and I wouldn't have done. I, I just think there's maybe a percent or two that they're not quite as switched on as normal. Mm. And, so, that, and that's league-wide, league that is. Yeah. So that's, why I, must... that, that's what I put it down to. They're just not quite as switched on as normal. Van Dijk, that one against Leeds, he never would have done that last no. 12 months ago when there was fans in the grounds. He just wouldn't have. Yeah, they're um, playing with no atmosphere. I think, as you say, yeah. that's losing them a couple of percent. I, I wonder if if they, because after the COVID break, we didn't see. I don't think feel like we saw quite as many of these defensive errors, but now they've had a break and they've come back to it again. I think they're just not quite there. Still, do you think it's a case maybe of it it feeling a bit more like a training game? I yeah. think so. I think there's something to that because. Mm-hmm. As much as the games have been entertaining and there's been a quality of um, there has there's been real quality to some of the play, it has felt a bit like watching preseason at times. Particularly in the game, I, I think less so in some of the bigger games, but I, I think in cer- certainly with some of the when it's like oh, at the weekend I was watching Chelsea play Crystal Palace. And the first half felt like a training exercise. It felt like, I mean, that's partly because Palace came to sit behind the ball and there was a lack of intensity. But it really did feel like a, I was sort of like, oh, I could see how you could just be a bit more casual than you would normally, as if to say, oh, this doesn't matter as much. Yeah, I, I struggled to see Thiago Silva making that mistake in Paris with no. fans. No. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he does, but I, I find it hard to believe that he takes his eye off the ball like that. Mm-hmm. Dave? I think part of part of the um, way we're seeing mistakes and stuff probably has something to do with the season so uncertain 
like last season when they came back, there'd already been a decent portion of it played. They were just looking to finish it. And in Liverpool, I'm sure, uh, get over the line what the fans had started, if you like. They'd been there for the start of the season. Now, when they started the season, there was the whole... They were thinking 1st of October, there'd be pilot schemes, whatever. There'd be fans back in by some capacity. It's all up in the air now. The Yeah. And, yeah, obviously it's easy to say, oh, they're professionals, they should... Doesn't matter if there's zero fans or a hundred thousand fans who should play the same. But if they've always played with fans, and obviously home players cheer them on, fans cheer them on. But even fans booing them and stuff probably fires some of them up. That's gone. That's there's no there's no atmosphere for them to play for. And I think part of the players may even think who really like I bet the Villa. Villa team were thinking we've beat the champions 7-2 how good would that have been if there was fans here to celebrate it well what, the even Villa... at the height even at the height they're thinking where are the fans and when they're on the ball and whatever with no atmosphere it must be so hard for them because even in a pre-season they could go and play some nothing team anywhere in the world and some fans will turn up yeah especially and now they're playing with well, yeah, of course. I mean, they, they took, <laughs> allegedly, they took hundred thousand to the Battle of Carthage. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a good point, Dave. Um, just want to quickly touch on something. Is this another after-effect of shortened season, no pre-season, rustiness, tiredness already creeping into play? Uh, it could be as well. It could be a bit of legginess in there. But, yeah. um, but weirdly. It seems to have affected a lot of the the top teams more than some of the lower teams. Like Villa didn't necessarily look like they were making mistakes or um, or as leggy necessarily. I mean, we've seen United since they've come back; they've just looked but just le- leggy the whole time. Is that because there's a stylistic difference between how teams in the lower half of the division want to play? Yeah, that, they make they make the their mistakes in the mid in the final third, the midfield third, rather than the the back there like we saw so often in the Liverpool game I think that is probably a fair assessment yeah that's that's a good point I'd say yeah um, I want to talk quick, just quickly about Adrian himself because this was this was a really poor performance gave it away I mean he wasn't helped by his defence but I was reminded during this game of a couple of clangers he dropped last year as well yeah Atletico um, Madrid we know that we didn't see Liverpool take the next step to becoming the absolute um, all-conquering monster that they are now until they bought Alisson. We've seen recently quite a few um, injuries for Alisson. We've seen he's going to be out for the Everton game a couple of weeks after that as well. I, again, not writing them off. How much of a concern is it for Liverpool that they just have absolutely zero trust in their second-choice keeper? Well, it's for any team to not have trust in your keeper because maybe maybe that's already playing into defenders' minds. Maybe they're making mistakes because instead of the easy pass back to Adrian, they don't want to give him the ball, so they're trying to overdo it. When, say, it was Alisson in goal, they're playing that pass, and that can cause mistakes. The amount of times that Liverpool pass it to Alisson because he's always a safe option and they're good enough on the ball. He's pretty good on the ball, to be fair. 
I mean, I remember a famous Cruyff turn, but other than that, against Leicester, he's usually pretty solid on the ball. They're, if they're overthinking even a basic back pass, then obviously it's got to play into their decision-making as a whole and dallying on the ball for even a split second, thinking what they're going to do with it instead of what would have been a natural action with Alisson in goal. That's all, that's all it takes to make a mistake at this level, really. Um, and it's not even just a Liverpool thing. We saw it with West Ham last year when they had that Roberto in goal. They, it, it was like, yeah. it doesn't matter how well they play because he's going to let them down. <laughs> and that was clear with the players. Um, and also moving forward, how long until, how do you even keep Adrian's head up at all? Uh-huh. Will's written Kappa there in big writing. <laughs> yeah, I'll um, play that. I can't see that. Um, yeah, I just because it's the gotta, perfect illustration of this as well, isn't it? It's got to, yeah, it's got to play on their minds. You're just thinking, how does Adrian pick himself up, let alone anyone else? Yeah. And he knows that probably once this runs over in the team. If he makes more mistakes, they'll probably throw a kid in next time instead of him. Unless he manages to redeem himself. So that'll be playing on his mind too. Carrius has never played for them again after his howler. Adrian's put in quite a few poor performances now. He's got to know that unless he turns this around, he's probably not going to play after this spell. Just quickly, if they threw a kid at him, he wouldn't catch it. Um... (laughs) (laughs) So... uh... Not other choice, it's just because he's got hands made of margarine. Um, <laughs> uh, let's quick. Henderson was missing for this game, and Jordan Henderson, one of those players that everyone's always like, Oh, what does he bring? What does he bring? Garba leadership and structure are the two things that's so crying out for, and all the Liverpool fans have been crying out for. More creativity in that field. That's why they were excited by Thiago. It's why they've always been excited to see if they can get the absolutely underwhelming navigator into the team. Um, Mike, as Dave alluded to earlier in the podcast, navigator's not best known for defence being defensive. Liverpool totally seem to lose the midfield battle in this one, in a way. Um, I know we were less worried about the defence because it's individual measures, but are we worried perhaps the the blend's been lost in that midfield? Uh, I think without Henderson, yeah, you, you're you missing uh, someone that just drives them both forward and defensively. I'm <laughs> sure he I'm sure he doesn't shut up. I haven't actually uh, oh, he doesn't. listened, but I imagine he doesn't shut up all game. Um, which you would think with him not there, maybe Van Dijk takes over or even Fabinho. He's, He's played at centre half and in that holding role. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they're all a bit samey, aren't they? With Wijnaldum and Cater, you're not getting much, particularly defensively. Um, but also, I don't think uh, Wijnaldum t- tends to get on the edge of the box quite a bit. I'm not sh- too hugely sure what Cater actually does. Really, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna go into that bracket again. Another yeah. one. Yeah. So uh, without Henderson, I don't think the screen for the defence is as good, even though Fabinho is still there. Uh, and with, as Dave was alluding to, with, with a goalie that you don't necessarily trust behind 
you kind of defend a bit differently and maybe that's led to a couple of extra errors which they wouldn't have made as weird as it sounds with Alisson in goal. So, a, a ton of... Uh, from no, Liverpool and City have, particularly in this game for Liverpool, they don't usually have this problem, had a weird, slightly different problem in terms of... In, with City, we said the, the fact that the forwards aren't pressing at the same level that they were means that... It's the attackers are just cascading onto Rodri through and just attacking the weak defence. So what I think is happening here is I think although the front three are absolutely monstrous pressing monsters, although subbing out Jota for Mane for me I feel like Mane's probably better at that. But subbing out the relentless Henderson, who so often drops into that right channel to cover Alexander Arnold when he's going forward, I think they've got a real issue in keeping the pressure on that side of the pitch, but also in terms of they've got a real issue with cover. If we look at most of the goals, most of them have been into that area. Like we take the Jack Harrison goal, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Gomez, is, Gomez was caught by Watkins because Alexander Arnold was up the pitch and then Gomez was trying having poorly positioned yet to use his recovery pace and it led Watkins to easily turn him. So I think Henderson's... A, even more than the leadership, just the structure he brings to that side of the midfield is so important. And it's why I think the clamour for Naby Keita to start is a bit odd for me personally. But um, I don't know. I am interested to see how they manage to find a way to get all this balance of structure and fit Thiago in. Yeah. Because I know the, I know the suggestion was that you would play Fabinho and Henderson with sort of like either side of him and you have him in like what's the Pirlo role. But to me, that's, ooh, that's asking for trouble to me. Um, Hell of a job for uh, Wijnaldum and Henderson to do. Yeah. Tell you what, though, um, it's a nice problem to have. Yeah, not bad, is it? Not really. Or you can sit there and figure out what you want to do with Jorginho. Personally, I'll stick him in a cannon and fire him into the moon. <laughs> So we've just um, we've done exactly what um, Sky did. Um, we focused all on Liverpool. Um, for as good, for as bad as Liverpool were, this was an absolutely monumental performance from the Villa. Um, they were superb in every aspect. If they'd taken their chances a bit better, could probably have been even more too good. However, it was really driven by Grealish. Two goals, three mm-hmm. assists. Dave. Talk to me about Jack Grealish. It's a tough one. <laughs> I don't like him. I'm fucking all. loving this. I don't like him at This all. is great. So good. But there's no doubting his ability. And he is he's fantastic. And now they've I think what this game showed, as well as just well, to be fair, oh, I can't even be believe I'm gonna say this. Villa played really well. And it pains me to say but I actually think they look quite good this season already. Three games in, but they look quite exciting. I'm shocked by how well they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, not a pleasant shock, it has to be. has to be added. <laughs> um, the thing is, Greenish, like putting a player like Ross Barkley next to him, uh, who are, did they used to play 21s together? I, think I, don't, so. know. I don't know. They, I'd imagine so. Barkley I mean, the they're an iron up. They're an iron app sex scandal waiting to happen, the pair of them. <laughs> Honestly, if COVID ever gets over, them two are going to be on the strip and iron app just like, I don't even want to tell you what they'll be doing, ladies and gentlemen, but it'll be <laughs> chaos. 
Even so, that's my point about the football. Larkin's yes, a pretty good player and a big upgrade on players like Hurahan. Yeah. Douglas Louise has looked really good since the restart, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and John McGinn's great. Mm-hmm. One of the Villa yes. players that I don't actually hate. I hate when you call him McGinn Yester, mate. And the Lion Grealish actually have like more of a free role where you can rely on people around him. And even Watkins in one game showed more than Samata and Wesley ever did in the whole of last season. Just allowed him to play his game. He's just running at defenders, which is what he loves. There's that clip of him sending Van Dyke for a hot dog and then sending him back for another hot dog in about five seconds. Um, he's just really good. He's just really fucking good. Like in the last last so far in his last thirty nine games, he's got eleven goals and nine assists, which is good for anyone, let alone a team that last season was struggling. So only hopefully the only time we're gonna have to be positive about Villa, but there we are. We're gonna win the league, so there you are. Um if that happens, well I might actually fire myself into the main. Um so Dave touched on a really interesting point there. Um so Villa were after Barkley at or Loftus Cheek, one of the two. When they got Ross Barkley, I don't know about the two of you. I instantly thought that's a cracking move for Villa. Yeah, because he's because he's an instant upgrade. Huge. Ross, for, for all the for all the fact that I don't think Ross Barkley is a particularly good good enough to play for your top top teams, I think there's a cracking player in there, particularly as playing as a number eight or something because he's got good feet, mobile, can pick a pass, and he can. He's not going to consistently take over games, but occasionally Jack Greenish can look at someone, look at Ross Barkley and go, I haven't got it tonight. I need someone else to carry us over the line, which is massive for Villa. It's um, another one. It means they can't double team him. Um, so, Breslin, the one thing I did want to ask you is, um, Ollie Watkins gets his first three goals here. Perfect hat-trick. Looked incredible. I know we. one of our questions was, um, coming into season, is Villa, are Villa going to be able to score enough goals? From what you've seen, albeit briefly, and this is recency bias because he has just got a hat trick, but I think he, in the same way I look at Werner and I think there's a sharp player there, I think there's a sharp player in Ollie Watkins. I definitely, yeah, I agree. He, he scored a lot of goals in the Championship last season. I can't remember if he got the Golden Boot or if Mitro got it. But to say that he was up there with Mitro. Mm. That, that shows you you've got a player in there. This this guy can finish. Um, and there's a lot more that he can do as well, which he which he showed on uh, Sunday. The, th- the thing I like best is you look at Grealish, Barkley, McGinn and Watkins. There's there's assists, goals, creativity, all of that in there. Oh, if, if that's... Which is something you could not say because McGinn was out last year. They didn't have a striker. They literally just had Grealish. Whereas now you've got yeah. Four or five, even Trezeguet got an assist. That's, that's even before you begin to take into account El Ghazi. Like, Let's leave El Ghazi <laughs> out of this, please. That, that is true. I haven't taken into account El Ghazi. What a player. <laughs> leave it out, please. Um, but yeah, what, Watkins is... I think if they can keep supplying him, which I think they've got the players to now, mm. um, he's going to score some goals in this team. Yeah. I, the, the Barkley one... I. You look at it, you think he's a good signing if he can show the form that we know he can show. 
mm-hmm. a bit more often. I think with McGinn and Grealish around him, particularly him and Grealish were linking up really nicely in this game. Yeah. It looked like they'd been playing together for a couple of years rather than a couple of days. So yeah. that's that's something really exciting for Villa mm. um, going forward. It is. Um, we wrote about this in, I think it was last week's Five Things. But for Villa, last season was just an incredible season of staying up when you consider that they lost Tammy Abraham back because he, he's loaded finish and he was such a source of goals. And they'd also lost John McGinn, who was such a source of energy, creativity. And it was a really lifeless midfield. So not only to have McGinn back and inform Key, Keeley, because he wasn't informed at the end of no. lockdown, to have that and to then add proven international quality like Ross Barkley is huge for them. Um, I have got a, a question. Sorry, Brez. I just wanted to say, Dean, Dean Smith said, I think sometime in the last season, if we stay up, watch out for us next year. Yeah. And everyone kind of laughed, including myself. Uh, but with the business they've done, they could surprise a lot of people this year. I don't think they're going to go amazingly high. But well, they're that... going to be... They're going to be a hell of a lot better to watch. That brings me on to my next question. In terms of fixing problem positions and getting key upgrades, how many Premier League teams do you think have had a better transfer window than Villa? I was going to say I'm not... I don't think any. I guess Everton's the one who probably competes, but I don't think they... Even they probably haven't got close... I mean, Everton sorted out their midfield, which was a problem area, but... Well, Villa have managed to. Can, can we count Grealish field. as a as a as a new signing because everyone no. thought he was gone? No, no, absolutely no. not. That's not how the transfer window works. I didn't realise <laughs> we were dealing with Gianni Infantino over there starting new <laughs> yeah, things. What's going on? Okay, Did but everyone thought he was he wasn't going to be coming back no, regardless no. of whether actually, they stayed I actually up didn't think he was still there. Because because okay. where could he go? Well, and also, who was going to stump up the money for him in these times was more my thought. No, you look at all the top clubs, no one had need for him. Well, there was talk about City and obviously the rumours about United as well, but... Yeah, rumours, rumours. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> um, but going back to Everton, like Everton are probably... Ever- your two contenders are probably Everton, probably Chelsea. Um, Villa got the... the Upgrade on keeper for Villa is oh yeah, yeah um, I thought the Matt I went the Matty Cash signing's a bit weird. Um, he looks went, good. He looks absolutely brilliant. Ross Barkley's a drastic improvement on their midfield. Ollie Watkins is a drastic improvement on what they've got up front. Say what you want about Bertrand Traoré, I think he's the most one-footed player I've played. He's, he's I've played. Upgrade. I've seen. Still an upgrade, and yeah. he still falls from the wing. I think. Whereas you look at Everton. Completely revolutionised their midfield, completely revolutionised their attack with one signing there. However, they didn't address the key problems in their, both their defence and at the goalkeeper position. That's However, the they signed Ben Godfrey, which may look to address some centre-back issue that needs to be seen. It might do. However, as I said last week, I don't trust anyone who is in that Norwich defence. At all. At all. At all. We might see really how good he is this year. Yeah. <sighs> it doesn't matter. They've still got T-Rex in goal. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, agree. Villa, Villa have had a fantastic window, to be fair. Really fantastic window. Biggest club in uh, Birmingham, aren't they, Dad? 
That's a strange way of saying Sally Mars. I'm not in Birmingham. Anyway. Technically. I'm not, sure, um, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> they're in Sally Olga, hence the name. Um, All right, well, Christ. so let's move on, actually, because um, honestly, I don't quite... I don't quite, you know, every Boxing Day where someone tweets out the picture going, oh, I can't believe how many goals were scored in Boxing Day 1963. Um, that's how I'm going to feel like <laughs> talking about like mid-October, just a random, God, you won't believe how many goals were scored in the Premier League on this day. Yeah, because I, I, I couldn't believe the the Liverpool scoreline. And what made it worse is it followed on from Tottenham beating United at United 6-1 in what I think is possibly the worst I've ever seen United play. Um, Quickly on this, uh, Sunes laughing at Evra, only for Evra to laugh at him harder two hours later. Great TV. TV. Um, <laughs> so let's start with um, Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I just, lads, I'm completely been through. I spent the whole week just sort of like I'm not really sure any of that happened. Um, so United took the lead for a penalty because that's the only way United score. Then massive defensive gaffes for Spurs first and second, and then it continued. Uh, there's a send Eric, Eric Lamella. Um, he went into the shops and he bought a red card. Um, and <laughs> Anthony Martial's off, dripping in short. <laughs> Gloves on, red card down the tunnel. See you later, pal. Um, where do you want to? St- We're going to talk about Spurs first. We're going to not make the mistake that Sky did. Dave, Spurs, brilliant. How good are you feeling about your pre-season prediction now? Well, it's looking pretty good. Well, uh, Hoy Hoyberg and Ondombele, I, I like in the middle. They <laughs> seem. Seem to be able to combine to do something that Tottenham been lacking in the midfield. What feels like since Musa Dembele left is, yeah, Captain. Harry Winks doesn't play anymore, so that's uh, also a bonus. Yeah, yeah, massive. But Ondombele is looking like the player they they stumped the money up for, uh, and Hoiberg sort of slotted in perfectly to what he was bought to do. Thinks that adds some stability to their midfield. Um, and with that stability, it allows Son and Kane to really go about their business, which they've been doing all season so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they just don't know. I don't can't really recall any Tottenham player putting much wrong. And also with Ondombele, he's happy to cover Aurier going forward, and Aurier is pretty pretty good going forward. To be fair, um, mm-hmm. maybe prefer him going forward to when he tries to defend. To be fair. I've, uh- that's a given. I think Spurs fans think the same. I actually prefer, if I was a, a, a fan of a team who had surgery, I'd actually prefer him in the bin um, <laughs> rather than going forward or back. Um, what's, what's been really interesting, watch because I, I watched Spurs play um, Chelsea as well this week because they've had a hell of a week. Wins on Tuesday, Thursday and, of course, Sunday. Um, what I've been really impressed with, particularly in the fact that Regulon's playing, is that Mourinho sort of said, "Fuck it, I'm just going to let them. I'm going to let the two fullbacks bomb on, and then Hoiberg's just going to drop back. So it's almost a back three, and they're just pinning teams in when in, when they're in possession. And I know United were a man down, 
but they were really good. They were ruthless. They were clinical. And it was like we always say with Mikel Arteta and when we were praising him the other week about how managers have to put players in the right positions to make them succeed. He's Mourinho is making Kane and Son and these fullbacks. He's hiding their limitations and making them succeed. Um, Braz, what did you think of Spurs? In this yeah, one, really good. Even uh, as you said, United obviously went down to ten men, but even before that, they were they were by far the better team. Uh-huh. Just by far, it, it, it may well have ended up at this score, even if if, if it had stayed eleven v eleven. To be honest, mm. they were so much better. Kane and Son are an absolute joke together. They're, they are. It, it should be illegal those two on the field together, uh, as Dave said. And Dombele, he is just so much fun to watch. He's just he's just doing these weird turns and just shrugging people off like they don't even exist. <laughs> but isn't Indombele is actually a perfect um, example of Mourinho putting people in a position to succeed? In that almost a bit like we said last week, the fact Rodriguez doesn't want to do the running, so they've got Allen in to cover for him. Hoiberg covers perfectly in that system for Indombele. Also, Musa Sissoko yeah. will run all day long for anyone. That's one thing that guy always brings. Got Alan Pardew in the end, though. Um, Brez, sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're good. Um, as as you were saying, Aurier and Regulon are, are both much better going forward, I think, than mm-hmm. than turning around. So allowing them to do that is a good move for Mourinho. It, it still pains me to be heaping praise on him, but uh-huh. he's somehow got through this ridiculous schedule that Spurs have had, which is something like eight games in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've come out they weren't playing that great at the start of that run and they're, they're playing pretty damn well now. Yeah. I, I think we sort of following on from the Liverpool discussion as well. There's, um, and just talking about high lines, because um, the second goal, quick free kick, but Man United quite high at the pitch. They haven't got the pace to get back. And I'm not sure there's a team in the league better at exploiting this than, than Spurs are, because they've got these, they've got these forwards in, Son in particular, but you've also got Lamella and Mora, who, when Kane gets a ball in the number 10 position, they make these diagonal runs and they find them every time. And they're absolutely clinical. We saw it in the Southampton game. Um, Brez. Heck of a finish, by the way, by yeah, Son. Heck goal. of a finish. Um, this game aside, we've seen the high line get destroyed a lot this season. Um, we know it requires an incredible amount of energy. Are teams like Spurs who in defensive shape, sit really deep. Are they going to be... Um, are they going to have an advantage over teams like, I don't know, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, Southampton to try and play these higher lines this season? It's, def- it's definitely the fashion at the moment, isn't it, to play the high line and press yeah. high up. Uh, and, and so far this season, it's it's not gone overly well for <laughs> no. pretty much any of the teams. We spoke about Liverpool earlier and Southampton, was it last week? Yeah, or the week before when they got pumped by Spurs. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they probably they probably do have a bit of an advantage, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, given that a lot of the, the teams near the top, in particular, that Spurs are going to need to beat, are going to be essentially playing the exact game that Spurs want them to play against them, yeah. which is kind of what United were relying on last year. Mm. Was people they would drop deep and we'd just hit them on the break, which is kind of what... It's, it's playing quite into Spurs' hands at the moment. I wonder, mm. if, I wonder if a couple more weeks and everyone will work it out. 
and stop doing it against them. Yeah. Um, Maybe not, because for some of the teams, that's the way they play, this high line. Liverpool aren't going to change, are they? Well, it's, it depends. Like, um, I mean, I was watch- when I was watching the Chelsea game against um, Spurs, I was thinking to myself, Chelsea's midfield wasn't really pre- creating anything. So I was like, well, obviously now, because you're already sort of doing it, press you press really hard and you try and create something that way. But they were sort of in the middle of, of how to do because they were absolutely terrified of what Spurs could do to them on the counter. Um, okay. Genus, we've satisfied you. <laughs> um, we've talked about how brilliant Spurs were. Heaped praise on the special one, whose decline has probably been a bit... Um, a bit too widely celebrated, and he wouldn't, he's not going to go quietly, at least. Um, Dave, because Mike, I can see... The, you know when, like... You know when the kettle's boiling, Dave? Yeah, Mike's just, getting red in the face. Just see, you can see the kettle just start to go. The steam starts to come out of the kettle. It starts wobbling. You can see that with Mike right now. I've honestly been dreading this moment for the whole <laughs> since it happened. Uh, <laughs> well, you, see, you see, as the sixth one went in, I looked at the screen and I pulled out my cigar and I went, content. That's what I did. <laughs> oh, I like, man. Um, Are we here again? <laughs> the fifth week running about United. Um, so last week we let you have your quick round. We will get to you, but Dave, um, United in this game, what went wrong? What was your what, big, what's your what biggest went concern? Right, well, was the easier question. That's true. What, not, where, not much. What's the biggest concern though? Is it the defence? Is it the midfield? Because I was concerned with both. Yeah, there's so many mistakes at the back for. One of the goals where Eric Bailly, for some reason, plays himself into... Uh, I don't think I've seen anyone put themselves in so much trouble. That's he had two easy passes horrendous. and he let himself get surrounded by three tried to pass the ball. I saw people trying to blame Matic for that. I don't know what people are expecting Matic to do when he's getting the hospital pass, basically, in his own box. That that's concerning. Luke Shaw should have been off the pitch. I don't know how he stayed on oh after that God. that one talk, tackle. Talk about red cards in a minute. Um, t- Harry Maguire uh, looks more like a fridge every week. I don't. Know. He's just he's just so immobile, and he literally pulled Luke Shaw. He stopped Luke Shaw defending one of the goals. He pulled him down. There was a game last season where he pulled his own man down at a corner thinking it was an attacker. Somehow gone one further. The midfield, again, alarm bells. I thought at the end of last season you guys had sorted this out. I say you guys, Mike. It's not you personally. You're not on the coaching team. Oh, I could <laughs> sort this out. That, that's a statement. <laughs> it just involves a, involves the dropping of a French bloke. Pretty yeah, much. I was going to say... <laughs> I love Paul Pogba, but I, I'm beginning to question what he does in this team, uh, if anything, really. Cost you two just, goals. He just... One, two. I don't know what he... I don't know what, what he's doing. Like, he loses the ball and he doesn't have any desire to really work to get it back. Or going forward, he's just sort of struts around. There's no urgency with anything he does. Um it was hard to say about going forward in this one just because you're up against no. it with the 10 man. I don't think the problems were in the front three in this one. Um, no. Mike, Mike, for you, same question. What concerns you more, the defence or the midfield? 
So the, well, I didn't answer the defense. Mid, the defense. Midfield. Midfield. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Why the defense for you, Brad? Um. Yeah, but Bailey cost us a goal by trying to pass it to across his box, which is, as Dave said, a total hospital pass. Uh, Maguire. It's a shame it wasn't a sex scandal and it was a police scandal because he might have played a bit better since the sex scandal. Right, right. I need to. Everyone knows that if you're a if you're a football player, you have a sex scandal. You, you, it's the next step in your career. Phil Foden, I see you. <laughs> I, I feel like it, he actually probably hasn't been that good for a good six months, maybe. Um, and he's he's in there just as the captain, and because we signed him for a load of money. I, I think I said it during the game, probably before it was six-one, that we we should really drop him. Yeah, you text me that. Um, I was glad to see Bailly in the starting lineup, but he didn't cover himself in glory. Wambasaka should have switched on with that quick free kick, and as Dave said, Shaw should have been off. So, all in all, the back four were just Woeful. horrible. Um, absolutely ju- horrible. I've got a I've got a figure for you. Sorry to steal oh, your thunder, South Doris statistician. Um, Sorry, well, this pass the baton sometimes. Thanks. Uh, wouldn't it just be a uh, what do you call? What do they call it? What's the? Th- uh, I can't. Oh, this, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Well. This would have been a great joke, but I can't remember it. And um, I'll take the uh, graphic calculator from you, Dave. There we go. We'll try that one. Abacus. It's an abacus. You know the little. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, the moment's gone. <laughs> the moment. The moment is so. You've got no. Well, I want to hear it now. Go nah, for that's it. terrible. Anyway, no, you've got to do it. I've got another. I think it's gone. Yeah. Got another joke yeah. here. This pack four costs 195 million pounds. That's Pep Country, that is. That is well and truly a Pep Country. Luke Shaw, most paid left back <laughs> in just, the world. You just got, you, what, this is how far into Pep Country you've gone. You've gone over the bold mountains and you're into the you're into the cardigans. You're into the cardigans <laughs> like woodlands in the middle of it. We're, we're not quite fully at Bowtie Country, but we're getting close. That's that's a pretty horror statistic, isn't it, really? 195 million. Um, going back to you wanting to drop Maguire, um, you you text uh, in our group chat that as well. And uh, our friend, Mr. James Yates, there's your podcast shout-out, who was also a United fan, a, a great deal more deluded than you, I would say, Brez. Um, <laughs> uh, he raised the question. <laughs> he raised the question. If you are dropping um, Maguire, who are you playing? Is this a case of he needs to be dropped more than you want someone else in the team? I, I, yeah, I don't, it doesn't really bother me who comes in because it'll probably end up being Lindelof and I'd rather it wasn't him. But Axel Twanzebe, I, I think time to shine. I would rather Twanzebe or even Fosu Mensah if he's still about. I don't know if he is. He is still about. Yeah. Oh, Cooked himself in glory against Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think he just needs... Uh, a week or two to um, get his head together out of the limelight a bit uh, and for people to realise he actually isn't playing very well, well I he, think he seems to get a bit of a free pass and I'm not sure why he's he's got worse since he's come back from I know Dave was we were kidding earlier he's I think the scam I think his antics over the summer have affected him um, and I think I think his mind is obviously elsewhere because being a defender is so much about concentration and focus um, as much as it is about anything else. And I think his focus isn't fully there. And I think you can see it in some of the mistakes he's making that Harry Maguire's a, Harry Maguire's a fine player. I don't think he's worth the money, but he is a fine player. 
he's an England international. He shouldn't be making these mistakes. Um, yeah, I totally agree. That being said, I took... Um, in terms of which one I'm more concerned about, I knew the defence was shit. I did have high hopes for United's midfield. Um, I thought, and I'm going to put my hands up now, I thought Fernandez, Pogba and Matic was perfect structure and balanced. Yep. Now, I've seen a lot of United this season and I could not be more wrong. I know we talked last week about putting Pogba in the position to succeed now United have never done it. They still haven't done it. And yes, he's making it worse with his posi- with his performances. But in Pogba and Fernandes, you've got two players who try a lot with not a lot of success. But when it is a success, it's, it's a real success. But I was struck in this game and I was struck in the Brighton game how Fern- Fernandes was trying a lot more that wasn't coming off. And they was and although he got a goal and assist, they were in a way carrying him through the game. And United's midfield isn't is also carrying Pogba at the same time. So a yeah. lot of these performances look really laboured. Um, and in Pogba in particular in this game, he looked bored. He looked he didn't look fully fit, um, and he just looked lethargic. And it wasn't a surprise yeah. to me that. Um, wasn't surprised to me that Fernandez came off, and I think one of them two, Orson, needs dropping for a week. Maybe You've got two. Van der Beek, the perfect person yeah. to bring in as well. And there's already rumblings that Van der Beek is unhappy with his playing time. And I saw someone, I saw someone tweet, "Oh, well, you come in to sit behind Fernandez and Pogba, that's unrealistic." And I think, I think, yeah, that's unrealistic if the bloke in front of you is performing. But Paul Pogba's not performing. Bruno Fernandez, neither, neither of them are. Bruno Fernandez. For the he's won for his pass. I mean, everyone was like goal and assist versus Brighton. I mean, the is the pass is very nice. The goal's all on Rashford, and he scored a penalty. But he also gave away a penalty, and he left his man for one of the other goals. I believe he's not looking like the Bruno Fernandes that was a bundle of energy. He's not pressing like he pressed last year. Maybe because he doesn't think anyone will do it with him. But that's my worry. I'm more worried about the really expensive quality players in the midfield not performing than I am the overpriced bloated back four personally yeah yeah I think there's big worries in, in both areas but yeah I can see I can see your point but you'll know who'll fix it Cavani I just I really Alex oh. Tellers uh, okay James okay. Sattler no, that didn't happen should we move on um no I quickly want to. I quickly want to ask a question, and because I ask this every week, um, United feel like a collection of players, really expensive players that are just being sent out to go and play. Now I realise that a lot of people think Chelsea. I like that too because they doubt Frank Lampard, but at least Frank Lampard has the metrics to back him up. Mike, Ollie out. <laughs> yeah. Yes, come on! I told you that last week. Didn't oh, sure let's get rid of the PE teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about time. Yeah, needs to go. He did his bit, as I, I think I said last week, or if not, I wrote it in there. You definitely the, said it. What I, I think. What I noticed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you need a, a top class manager now. Yeah. So, uh, also quickly on Cavani, it just sniffs of. What I thought we'd got away from, which oh. is, we're coming. In off. fact, it stinks. 
It does stink. In fact, it doesn't just sniff of it. It freaking reeks of it. Um, <laughs> my question, do you remember in... This is a very dated reference. Remember when we were kids and Doctor Who had returned? And it was back at the start when we were all like, oh, Billy Piper's really attractive. Um, so we're all watching. And they had this... I can't remember their names. They had the, the villain where they sort of like unzip their head and they revealed like this this green monster i remember you, what yeah I remember uh, viewers if you um if you know who these are can you please email us in and around pod at gmail.com so i can have an excuse to watch old doctor who episodes with billy five again um that being said, <laughs> that doesn't sound touchy, does it uh oh, just for just for just for the research old time's sake. sake um that being said do you reckon Cavani's going to unzip his head to reveal Radham Alfau Cowbuck? <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> what a, a setup for a terrible joke that was, by the way. <laughs> that, that is genuinely the first thing I saw. It's just it's such a Falcao round two. And we've done it with Latan. And, and Latan we did it with Henrik Larsson. Latan and Henrik Larsson were good, though. Yeah, Hen- yeah, Henrik Larsson was good. I loved him. Latan was good, man. Was I was going to say. Yeah, but. You know, it's it's just a name. Zlatan happened to be an absolute monster, but I don't. I think, yeah, Cavani hasn't played in seven months. It's just such a panic. Oh god. So, um, the knock on Tellers, by the way, is that he can't defend. Um, so it's good they're adding into a back four that conceded six. Okay. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't be so worried about him not being able to defend because none of the rest of the clowns back there can. I mean. United did need competition. They did need squad depth. But I think the biggest thing they came into the transfer window needed was proven quality additions. Now, they did get one in Van der Beek. I think that's fair enough. They got one in proven quality. Well, they better keep him happy now. <laughs> proven quality squad player. However, they whiffed on the Jane Sancho um, negotiations. If you read, uh, this is your weekly plug for the Athletic. Um, Go and read their article about United and Jane Sancho because it is one of the most damning things you'll read about negotiation. United appear like second-rate, uh, second-hand car salesmen rather than top-of-the-line businessmen. It's embarrassing, quite frankly. But it's well worth a read. We don't have a code. Just um, type in Billy Piper. And see um, but Brez, we come on to this again every week, but Ollie out, but how much of the board not helping here? Right, they're, they're def- they haven't been helping for years. I thought it was getting slightly better the last year or so. Um, and then they're just going... I mean, they signed Van Der Beek, which is great, but other than that, everything's just... Oh, shit, it's, it's deadline day. We need to actually sign someone. Let's, let's pluck Cavani out of a fielder from Uruguay and bring him in. <laughs> and we'll get some guy that can't defend in the Portuguese league. I just like the idea of Cavani doing keepy up to the Uruguay field. Someone calling to him like, Edison, it's your time. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't even want to go to United. Apparently, he wanted to go to Atletico. Yeah, but they yeah, but you know, but his, wage, his wages yeah. and agent yeah. fees too big. Which is the most Man United thing I've ever heard. Who was the other team? Atletico oh, yeah, don't, wor- don't worry, Edison. We'll else. Pay you. We'll pay you, Edinson. Whatever you want. Two year deal, two hundred and twenty k a week. It'll be thirty five when it's finished. But is he an improvement on Igala? Yes. Well, yeah, but for two hundred and twenty grand a week, come on now. 
is Ted, is Tellers an improvement on Shaw? I've never sure. watched Alex Tellers. I've no idea. Probably after watching Shaw at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dave, what do you think of these two signings? Giovanni one stinks. I just the the thing is, it's... he actually could be good. He could, he could be good. Yeah, be good. he could be good. But I he... think it it says a lot about a team when they're making signings like that. You've messed up the one that you should have got wrapped up. Nothing's really come come to a head, so you're panicking, and you're like, "Okay, this guy, Cavani, yeah." Uh, even a few years ago, definitely one of the best but, strikers in Europe. But, but is he still that now? It's, it's a total hard, lack of squad planning. Because yeah, it is. because what does Cavani thrive off? Crosses. Who have United got a fullback? Yeah, they've got Tellers who's swinging a through. Who have they got the other side? They've got Wan Bissaka. Quite frankly, is so more limited. Fosu Manta is about to no. assist King Look, I don't say this lightly, but Wambasaka is more limited going forward than I don't know, me and you, Dave. <laughs> like, at least me and you can play, harsh on us, at least me well. and you can play a ball down the line. Wambasaka just takes the ball down the line with him and then just turns around again. Look, what, what it is is Wambasaka looks like a deer. Going into a road and the ball is a, like a massive Eddie Stobart lorry about to hit him. <laughs> he just looks terrified, absolutely terrified. And it's just he. You're up against Regalon who can't defend either. For goodness' sake! It's ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. And United's United's um, just inability to do coherent squad depth at every level is. Um, Never not shocking. Um, we'll probably be here next week after they've... Uh, oh, no, we won't. It's the international break, so we won't... Yeah, I'll get a week off. ...next week. Um, yeah, but don't worry. It's no, what no. you think, Mike. Wait until how useless it can prove to be. <laughs> uh, I'm not watching that snooze fest. Uh, let me t- I'm never watching England play. I don't Even watch England unless it's a major tournament. There's one for the, for the viewers. We'll probably talk about the international break and why it's nonsense next week. Um, that'll do yeah, we this week, lads, quite frankly, because I'm sick of talking about United. But it is party time at Arsenal, so enjoy that. That's a good point. Thomas Party, just quickly, two words on party. Not two words, just tell me whatever. Good signing. I don't really care. Uh, overpaid. <laughs> overpaid, really? Why? I think so. They didn't want to pay the release clause and then in the end paid the release clause, which incidentally is what United didn't do with Sancho. Yeah, well, the, the whole, honestly, I'm going to repeat, if you haven't read that Sancho article, go read it, it's wild. Um, Dave, party, what do you think? Is this a, a missing piece for Arsenal? Could well, could well be, yeah. Mm. The, a very proven midfielder that sort of does the dirty work and they, they needed that for a while. Yeah, um, he's... seeing people, Arsenal fans are already saying this is the man we've needed to replace Vieira with. Don't want to go that far yet. We've not seen no, him play. That's ludicrous. But in terms of and I, when I saw he, that, he's I far better than Torreira, for example. Guendouzi, obviously, besides him having a massive problem with his own paycheck, hasn't really matured into being the player that anyone wanted him to be. So they're yeah. signing a proven player to go in there. So, I think he'll just upgrade that midfield. So with Party, he's a box-to-box player. He's um, His stats are very good, progresses the ball nicely. He's a good ball carrier. I think he might dovetail nicely with Jacka and Savaios. Yeah. think it's mm-hmm. a good signing. I think it's... Uh, if I was, if I, if we were sat here and they'd signed a war, 
I'd feel much better about it because I don't know about the two of you. Watching Arsenal's been pretty stodgy. If you look at their XG numbers, they're not great. That Sheffield game was awful. They're relying a lot on finishing and that variance is sort of going to even itself up out. I think they desperately cry now for some central creation, to be honest. And I know everyone will be like, why don't they play Ozil? It's because he's shit. <laughs> and he's been shit for a while. Get over yourselves. <sighs> there we are. There you go. It really is party time. It really is party time. I'm going to double down on that one. Yeah, yeah. Do you like how I ignored it earlier to see if I could get you out of it? Yeah. Which, coincidentally, <laughs> is not what either of you did for my abacus jug. I'm not even <laughs> still as abacus. Abacus <sighs> calm. Abacus calm? Hopefully we'll know by No. Abacus Finch? Is that it? <laughs> ah, that's the worst joke of the week, Dave. Wow. That, did you? That's the true host doing a bad joke at the end. Forget about the early one. Dave, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, at Dave Harris underscore 44 Mike if the people want to follow you for analysis stats and all the info on the new Firmino where can they follow you yeah, at Mikey Bresden on Twitter yeah. or, everything uh, Joel Linton uh, if you also want to go to Mike and just tweet um, a load of laughing crying faces with six <laughs> women there I'm not going to stop you again it's at Mikey Breslin <laughs> and if you want to follow me you can do so by following at world 17 but please don't please instead follow us at in and around pod um you can send any questions you have to in and around pod at gmail.com but you can also send them on all the socials which is again at in and around pod even on pinterest um as you all know we've uh started a new website it's called in and around media.com um a couple of interesting articles up there. there's one going up pretty soon um all about loftus cheek and how his fulham loan could be his last chance at making it big mr Preston, have you got something in the works yeah no but i just wanted to, well yeah actually my betting column's out on friday so come yeah. lose your money with me how you um, doing that? uh i think we're down about three points or something like that i need to work it out yeah from last week how i've landed a couple how many uh, weeks that's not bad though how many yeah, weeks hey how many weeks uh I've, I've put forward eight eight bets all right, so it really is go and lose some money with him, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, but have fun doing it. Um, it's like, like Meatloaf said, two out of eight in bad. Anyway, a quick public on. service announcement. I think we're going to be releasing on Tuesdays now, so a bit earlier in the week. Yes, we are. Um, we've sort of been having a discussion amongst us um, about how that we sort of get to this point of the week and it's sort of like a bit old news and God knows we're bad at previewing things. Just go and have a look at the predictions on Twitter. Um, so we're probably going to move the date to Tuesday, but when we know, we will let you know by the socials and also on the podcast. So until then, until maybe next Tuesday, who knows, Dave? <laughs> Enjoy you the never inter- know with the Jabalani. You do never know. Enjoy the international break. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week for... Is Gareth Southgate the right man for the job? The answer is no. Um, <laughs> Have you okay. seen that squad? Oh yeah. my god! I tell you what, the only, the most exciting news to come out of England in like a year and a half was that Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood just showed their teamwork on and off the pitch in Iceland. <laughs> that's the most, <laughs> the most interesting thing that's happened because Gareth Southgate's over there coaching like he's in an M and S advert, like. <laughs> Have you ever seen a man scream Blue Harbour more? Like, Christ. 
<laughs> that's sensational. Oh, God, I tell you what, it's good that we ended on a, a proper joke after the Abacus uh, debacle. <laughs> anyway, till next time. Oh, dear. Goodbye. Cheers. Cheers.